one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I cannot believe this is our last episode before I go on maternity leave. Now, I didn't want to leave you empty-handed, which is why we are ending with Universal Studios Hollywood, so that if you are traveling to Super Nintendo World, maybe this spring, maybe early summer, you will be covered. I highlighted all the stuff you need to know. But one thing I want to call out before we get deeper in this episode is that since we recorded our Super Nintendo World episode, our standalone episode a couple weeks ago, Universal Studios Hollywood has introduced a new ticket type that specifically applies to that land. For about 20 to 25 bucks, you can pay to get into the land early before park opening. Now, we're going to discuss later on in this episode what that means, if I recommend it or not, but I just wanted to flag that in case you're just listening for a minute before you get groceries and you forget to go on. If you are planning to go to Super Nintendo World, be sure to keep note of that because it could change the way you visit. That said, I mean, I don't want to keep it too long. There was a ton of stuff I was gonna, it was gonna gab about here, but really, uh, I, just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get too emotional about taking a break from doing the podcast I love. So I will miss you all while I am gone. I um, will I be back early to drop episodes? Who knows? I don't know. I've never had a, a child before, so we'll find. <laughs> I don't hear that you have a lot of spare time, so we'll see how it goes. But otherwise, thank you all for listening. I am very excited for all the stuff I'm going to bring you once I am back. And let's get into it. Let's get into all things Universal Studios Hollywood. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to our very amusing guide for everything you need to know about Universal Studios Hollywood. Now, this park is a little different from most you might be used to visiting if you are a theme park buff. What it lacks in depth, it makes up for in originality. This is, at the end of the day, a theme park in the middle of a major metropolitan city, adjacent to an actual working Hollywood movie lot. Sure, it's got some flaws, which we'll get into, but you have to at least acknowledge before we start that this is a wildly unique location, and with more space constraints than any other major theme park in America, they've still managed to carve out a worthy day for theme park enthusiasts. That said, it does have limited opportunities. The park, until recently at least, I'm just going to say it, had a bit of a stink on it, primarily because, compared to all of Disney and Universal's domestic parks, it had the least amount of things to do, and the offerings they do have are quite streamlined. If you're coming here for a bunch of kid-friendly rides, you're limited. If you're coming here for thrill rides, you're limited. And so the word of mouth on Universal Studios Hollywood has historically been pretty muted because of that. But I, optimistically as a local who weirdly loves it here, instead recommend you reframe your outlook on this park. Not only does this 
provide, I don't know, a bit of thrills without having to leave the Los Angeles area. But where else can you literally zoom past people working on television shows on active sound stages as part of your theme park admission? Disney's Hollywood Studios and Universal Studios Florida always tried to infuse that sort of entertainment and creativity into their parks, but here it's it's real. It's happening. It's authentic. And most importantly, it remains intact in 2023. And for that, I do try to always appreciate just how special Universal Studios Hollywood really is. It's quirks, though may be on their way out, since the park is about to be thrust into the national spotlight. With the advent of Super Nintendo World, the brand new theme park land, the first of its kind in America, this theme park is kind of a destination anew, with all eyes on the little park that could. I'm being so mean to Universal Studios Hollywood, but I love it and we will get into it, I promise. It's quite easy to navigate as well. There are really no reservations required to attend, even if it is recommended you buy tickets in advance. But if you are planning to visit soon or just curious about what the heck goes on in this California park, this episode is going to cover all of it. From attractions to how to skip the line to where you should eat since the food can be kind of hit or miss to what its city walk is worth doing. We're going to get into everything, all the core knowledge you need before visiting Universal Studios Hollywood. But before we can talk about what Wizarding World of Harry Potter has here, or the new way you can enter Super Nintendo World, or what actually happens on that tram tour, which you cannot miss, by the way, let me just set the scene with two key details. One, this is a one-day park, period. So much so that (laughs) on the off-season, this place opens at 10 a.m. and closes at 6 p.m. Just a full work day. So, you know, there's not a lot, there's not endless amounts of things to do here. Super Nintendo World does make this a little trickier, especially if that ride queue stays as long as it has been in previews. But all in all, it is doable in a day. And number two, you really can jam this in on your next trip to Los Angeles no problem. Now, for anyone who doesn't spend a lot of time here, LA traffic does live up to the hype and regular LA rules apply if you're coming from the west side like Venice or Santa Monica or essentially anywhere where you can see water. It's going to take a bit to get here, but it's really not that bad. If you are doing a Disneyland trip, things get a little trickier, but it is still doable. That said, it is a bit of a hike from Disneyland Resort. You are in for a long drive or Uber, probably around 90 minutes. If you want to do both resorts on one trip to California, I highly recommend booking your air travel around it, if at all possible. You are minutes from Universal if you fly into Burbank Airport, and you can either drive or Uber to Disneyland Resort and then quickly fly out of John Wayne, the Orange County Airport near Disneyland, or even one of the two. Either one helps, to be honest. LAX is close to neither theme park resort, and as a regular LAX flyer, I know how annoying that is. I apologize for our garbage airport. It's the worst, and rideshare from there can be very expensive. It's it's not great. There is also a train that goes to Universal, but I'm going to be real with you. I know, I know not a lick of information about it beyond that. I am a subway girl in quite literally any other city, but LA cars reign supreme. I've never lived near a train station, so I've never been able to make a destination work. So sadly, that's, that's all I got for you on that front. When you arrive at Universal, though, it is somewhat similar to arriving at the Orlando theme park resort. Parking is 30 bucks, and no matter which garage you are shepherded into, you're likely to walk through City Walk, a gloriously tourist trap mall that I absolutely adore and spend kind of too much time at voluntarily. 
exactly. <laughs> I just love it. You'll head past a Jamba Juice, past a Johnny Rockets, past a Starbucks kind of hidden on the second story of the outdoor mall, and reach the rotating globe out in front of the park. Now, Disney likes to claim that the Magic Kingdom is on the second floor as it sits above the Utilidors, but Universal is really the only theme park that has two floors. There's an upper lot and a lower lot with different attractions strewn among them, connected by a series of elevators and escalators known as the Starway. Now, do you need to know that before going? Absolutely not. But it's just one of those things like Orange Bird or Earl the Squirrel or the monorail spiel in Spanish, where if you know, you know, and you just can't help but adore it. Separate of the two halves, of course, is a full studio tour of the neighboring film studio, its back lot, and two attractions that can only be reached while on board. What can you expect from a typical day at Universal Studios Hollywood? Well, you'll ride past the still-frightening set of War of the Worlds, hug a minion, and maybe even take in an elaborate waterfront stunt show themed to an old movie your family probably hasn't seen. What can I say? I told you this park is unique. We're going to take it in halves to make things easier. When you enter on the upper lot, you'll find a Minions-themed land, a Simpsons-themed land, the majority of child-friendly attractions, and Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which we'll get into a bit later. Here you'll also find The Secret Life of Pets off the leash. It's the only true dark ride at the park, meaning you travel on a track through differently themed spaces and scenes, you know, like a traditional indoor ride. And here... It's got a queue that takes you through a New York City brownstone apartment and within an attraction that's just loaded with audio animatronics of different lovable creatures from the films. It's cute. It's fun. And it's also got some oddly restrictive seating, but we will tackle that later in this episode. What you need to take note of now is that the ride still does occasionally but kind of often use a virtual line. It's... It's very tricky. It's deeply underpromoted. But if you want to go on this attraction when there isn't a standby line operating, just be sure to check it in the app throughout the day. In my experience, it hasn't been in use all the time. It can be turned on later in the day. So keep an eye out for that so you don't miss it. The virtual line for Secret Life of Pets can be booked either in the Universal Studios Hollywood app or by the kiosks next to the attraction. My other favorite family-friendly attraction up here is DreamWorks Theater featuring Kung Fu Panda. Terrible name. I know. I realize they even call it Kung Fu Panda Adventure in the app, which is not, not the name of the ride. But it is a surprisingly great attraction. And I said ride. It's not. It's an attraction. I know we in the biz rag on screen-based attractions often, but I really love what they've done here. It's essentially an interactive theater with fixed seats that rumble and react to the film, but without spoiling what happens, the graphics are really great and also include a few special surprises that I really like and recommend. Sounds a bit vague, I know, but if you're on the fence about this one or if you're visiting with your family, do it. I always walk away happy and having a good time. The majority of character interactions also happen up here, particularly once you pass the main entrance corridor. Generally speaking, like Disneyland, character meet and greets are out in the open. You won't miss trolls or minions because they're in a separate queue with an indoor meet. Everything is pretty much just outside off the main pathways. And if you don't see a character in the spot they usually meet at, they're just not out at that time. There's really no timetable published in advance, so ask employees on site about times and locations and who's going to show up once you're there. However, 
Donkey sets up shop outside the Kung Fu Panda attraction. Across the way is a rotating stock of characters like Trolls or Shrek and Fiona that appear throughout the day. And to the left, in the general entrance space, you'll find Hello Kitty outside her mini boutique. But at other times, everyone from like Beetlejuice to random New York citizens. (laughs) Because why not? This park embraces chaos and I adore them for it. Meeting minions is one of the best, though. My favorite interaction in the park, to be honest. And I recommend waltzing over towards their area of the park to see what's up. Now, that said, I love a minion, but I don't love the attraction. Despicable Me Minion Mayhem. Listen, it's fine, but it's basically a ride version of Disney World's sci-fi dine-in theater. Though the outdoor area nearby, Super Silly Funland, is actually the best location at the park for kid-friendly experiences. It's themed like the fake carnival from Despicable Me with pricey games to boot, but they've also got a silly, swirly spinner attraction. Think Dumbo, but quirkier, as well as a massive water play area and a dry playground-like play area as well. There's plenty of stuff I recommend you do on the upper lot, but the one thing I demand you don't do is the Simpsons ride. Never go on the Simpsons ride. If you've been on it in Orlando, you know, but I have been doing this job professionally for about seven or eight years now, and it is the only attraction I absolutely refuse to go on because it makes me that nauseous. The only one. And I push the limits when it comes to rides. I once had a full meal of fish and chips at Wizarding World of Harry Potter and then went on the Hulk, no problem. I went on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind 17 times in one day and lived to tell the tale. But I will never, ever again step foot on the Simpsons ride. So heed my warning or see how brave you truly are. That said, the Simpsons land itself is cute despite its small footprint, much smaller than Orlando's. It's mostly food, souvenirs, and that terrible ride, but we'll discuss that when we get into where to eat. Now, two of Universal Studios' three shows, Animal Actors and Special Effects Show, recently closed to make way for a yet-to-be-announced experience. <clears throat> the wildly rumored Fast and Furious roller coaster that I'm probably not supposed to talk about what we all know about. <clears throat> but their best is still left standing. Waterworld. And if you're like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Waterworld? Like the 1995 movie? You'd be correct whether or not you've seen the film. I personally still have not. This show absolutely slaps. It just, I don't know how to explain it. It just does the trick. The stunts are legit. There are shocking surprises. It is entertaining from start to finish. It is so large scale. There's pyro and jet skis and so many people involved. It is legitimately one of the best theme park shows in the history of theme parks, which is why it is still running all day long, every single day at Universal Studios Hollywood. If you can see it, if you have time to see it, make time to see it. Just be weary of the splash zone because they're not messing around. And if you don't want to walk around with a wet butt all day, just sit a little further back. You'll still be able to see. Beyond Waterworld, naturally the big attention-grabbing land and possibly the reason you're coming here in the first place is Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which is just steps away. If you're familiar with Harry Potter experiences in Florida, what we have here is essentially the same that's at Islands of Adventure, but without the Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure coaster. That's a lot of words that I hope I remembered in the correct order. Here, you can expect to walk through Hogsmeade Village, explore Hogwarts Castle, cast magic spells, and yes, even get your fill of butterbeer done multiple ways. There are two rides, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, 
a kind of broomstick riding simulator wherein you'll encounter familiar sights like the Whomping Willow and even come face to face with Dementors. I still close my eyes. True story. And Flight of the Hippogriff, an extremely short 25 to 30 or so second long family friendly roller coaster. You get to see a cool hippogriff, one of Hagrid's creatures, but it is a weak ride that generally isn't worth the wait. I consider it totally skippable for adults, but for families, it is one of the only kid-friendly non-simulator rides in the park, so it does have its merits based on that, and it's worth waiting if you are in that situation. The other attraction here, of course, are the magical wands available for purchase. One of the best parts of Wizarding World of Harry Potter is that the wand interactivity feels right out of the films and books. You'll see this on both coasts, but if you've never experienced it firsthand, It really adds an extra layer to the land that brings it to life beyond a theme park plopped atop a movie studio in California. Ollivanders is the main location to purchase them, but the shop itself has an interactive show-like experience that if you have time or if you are here specifically for all things Harry Potter, you should see at least once. It's quite good. There's a separate queue for it and waits can get long during busy seasons, so just keep that in mind. And oh, if you're traveling with kids, Only one lucky guest in each group will be chosen to participate in the show and be paired with a wand, which you don't get for free. You still have to buy. So just set expectations accordingly. Thankfully, there are plenty of wands for sale and plenty to choose from. And wands can easily be purchased within the shop without seeing the show. Just use one of the side doors or the secondary cart outside of Hogwarts Castle. The wands generally cost around 50 bucks, and each comes with a map of spells, so you can walk around and do the spells yourself and see things change in the shop windows and react around you. It's cool! And honestly, it's really nice that it's one of the last things in this world that doesn't require sharing a smartphone between parents and kids. Some spells are more difficult than others, but there are staffers nearby to help you out with the trickier ones. It is really one of the rare souvenirs that I think is worth it, since you can always bring the wand back if you ever go to Orlando or back to Hollywood, or just use it by itself since it is a special memento. We have a lot more to get to, but a few Wizarding World tips I want to share before we move on. Forbidden Journey can trigger nausea in some people, so do not ride it after a big meal. I recommend riding it earlier in the morning. Make sure you're hydrated in case that's a concern. The queue for Forbidden Journey winds through Hogwarts Castle, but if you or anyone in your party isn't riding, there is an alternate queue where you can still see the interiors of Hogwarts without boarding the ride. Just ask the employees at the front. And everything in this land is in story, so you can't get a Coca-Cola here or anything like that. But (laughs) I've mentioned this before, I'm sure. If you want a little sweet treat on the cheap, I hit the pick and mix candy within Honeydukes, the glorious candy store within the land, and I get a little bag of gummies. It costs about five bucks, and then I like to eat it while I'm on the tram tour. It is my favorite thing to do with Universal Studios Hollywood, and I recommend it wholeheartedly. Not to say my highlight of the tram tour is the candy I smuggle on board, because the studio tram tour, which can be found just for the other side of Simpsons Land, is a lengthy experience. It's going to take around 40 to 60 minutes once you're on board. But I feel like without going on it, you really don't get the full experience of this park. Not only does it trek through much of the active Universal backlot, you'll see set attractions uh, like an underground subway earthquake that's going through a flash flood, as well as travel past sets and working sound stages. 
You'll see picture cars, you'll drive through the set of Nope and War of the Worlds. And there are also two mini attractions on board, which require 3D glasses that are distributed before you enter. The first is King Kong 360 3D. The second is Fast and Furious Supercharged. And if you've been on either of these as standalone attractions at Universal Orlando Resort, you've already been on them. Yeah, it's extremely odd that these tram tour portions were carved out as rides of their own in Florida, but here they're just little bonus attractions, which is kind of how I prefer them. They're whatever, I'm not gonna get into it. I mean, if you're going on the tram tour, you gotta go on both. But keep in mind, it is quite dark and loud and shakes the vehicle a bit, which also happens in that earthquake segment that I mentioned before. So if you have a young child in tow, just keep that in mind. We're going to take a quick break and then be back with everything else you'll find on the lower lot. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome back. After the studio tour, from there, it's just a sea of escalators back up and back down to the lower lot. Down here, it's mostly thrill rides set within a small layout that fits them pretty well. We've got Revenge of the Mummy the Ride, which is not the best coaster in the world, but it's definitely the best one at Universal Studios Hollywood. <laughs> it's different from Orlando's and smaller, but it does the trick. Listen, it's not the nicest, newest thing, but it moves through space, and here, that is a triumph. 
Down here, you'll also find Jurassic World The Ride, which is one of the great recent improvements to this park. This ride was updated a few years back to be adapted to the newer film franchise starring Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, and with it came a new scene at the start, during which, be warned, you can get wet, and I'm talking real wet, but it's worth it because you'll see some new and fantastic dinosaur audio animatronics on this ride and go down the biggest drop at Universal Studios Hollywood, which I'll tell you is not as scary as it looks. I promise. And if you prefer to stay dry, there's Transformers The Ride 3D, which is pretty similar to its Orlando counterpart. And even if you don't enjoy the franchise, I do recommend this ride. It packs a lot of punch since this park has limited adventurous thrill rides that, again, move through space. There's also a Transformers meet and greet with Optimus Prime. And for any of those littles who need to get their sillies out while on the lower lot, there's also Dino Play, which is a fossil-themed play area kind of hidden behind but next to the Jurassic World attraction. And last but not least, you can't miss it if you're coming down the escalators. You will see Raptor Encounter, which lets you get face-to-face with a dinosaur. The other big attraction down here we have to discuss, of course, is Super Nintendo World. We've already done a preview episode about Super Nintendo World a few weeks back, which included more detail about that land. But the top line information is that it has a restaurant, interactive gaming, character meet and greets, and a brand new ride, Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge. It also has a very particular process of getting inside, especially when this land opens. And some details about accessing the land have changed since our previous discussion of it. I've gone ahead and updated that episode, the standalone episode about Super Nintendo World, but I'm going to reiterate it here because it is worthy information. So here's the situation. Originally, the process for entering the land was that when the park opens each day, guests can enter freely without a reservation or return time. Once the land hits capacity, that's when you'll need a free timed reservation to enter the land later that day. That can be booked either at a kiosk on the lower lot or more conveniently within the app on your phone. Now, what has changed is that Universal just quietly introduced a new ticket add-on that kind of blows up that process. It's called the Super Nintendo World Early Access Ticket. I don't know why I said it like that, but that's what it's called. The Super Nintendo World Early Access Ticket. And for $20 to $25 per person per day, it allows you to enter the land one hour before scheduled park opening. That means at busy times like spring break, summer, or for however long this land is in demand when it first opens, if you are planning on just arriving early to the park, they will be filling up the land with people before you can even get inside unless you buy this ticket. But I, when I first learned about this news, I was bothered. And then I realized it's actually kind of great because depending on how many of these they sell, how many people even know this ticket exists since it's being released so late in the game, they truly introduced this last week. Uh, depending on everything, how like even the factor of how long it takes people to park, the land with this ticket might not be too packed for the first hour and the lines for Mario Kart might not be as long because of it. And on top of that, it gives you expedited entry for the Universal Tram Tour before 11 a.m. as well, which is a pretty nice added bonus. I'm trying to frame it in the way where it has a real lightning lane, individual lightning lane energy to it, especially given that they 
buried this announcement so much that I didn't even know about it until 48 hours after it got released on the website. I mean, it's pretty diabolical that they tossed this new ticket type in after so much detailed reporting about the land. But from the other perspective, it's a fraction of the price of Universal's Express Pass offering, the one that gives you access to the land once during the day and lets you skip the line on other rides throughout the park. So really, to get land access early, access to the land when nobody's already in it, so it's not like there's two hours worth of people in line for Mario Kart, and it gives you a little boost to get on the tram tour earlier, that's not so terrible. Even if I'm against the entire existence of this because it's just one more hoop to jump through and makes visiting this park more difficult. But for 20-ish bucks, it's not so bad. So to recap, in case this is as confusing to you as as they've made it, it's confusing to me too, it's a lot. Basically, if the land isn't at capacity, you can enter at any time. However, if Super Nintendo World is at capacity, which is expected, again, at the beginning and in holidays, that's when you'll need a free timed reservation from a kiosk on the lower lot or within the app. You can also enter the land in one of three ways. You can buy this early access ticket and get in an hour before park opening. You can buy Universal Express and get one-time entry anytime you'd like without a reservation, if reservations are required. Or you can use your Platinum Annual Pass to freely enter the land at 3 p.m. or after daily without a reservation, if reservations are required. Again, we're recording this before the land opens, and if history has proven anything, (laughs) things will change again. But I will still be around and plan to post on social media if anything changes, and just a general guide for getting in anyway. So since I won't have another podcast episode come out before the land opens... Be sure to head to my Instagram at Carly Wiesel for more information and Twitter at Carly Wiesel if you need any updates about the land for your visit. I will also plop, if anything urgent or pressing happens, I will put an update in the notes of this episode. And if it's major, I will update the episode as a whole. One other thing we have to discuss is Universal's issues with restrictive seating. On rides like Mario Kart, as some have been sharing online, but particularly Secret Life of Pets and historically Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, Universal's ride vehicle restraints can be notably restrictive to different body types and shapes and sizes. It's not good. Let's just put it that way. It's bad that rides are continuously rolled out that a decent number of guests struggle to fit inside of. And while I don't design attractions that is pretty much outside my realm, it simply doesn't make logical sense that something like The Secret Life of Pets, which moves slower than the 405 at rush hour, would need leg restraints on par with a roller coaster. I mean, they're so tight that I'm regularly a bit uncomfortable on board, and I'm only 5'7". If you are one of the many people for whom this is a concern, which is extremely valid, again, it's frustrating how many people this applies to, and yet the parks continue to do this, I wanted to recommend a few things before your visit. First, I would watch YouTube videos and specifically seek out terms like test seating or test seat guide. There will be test seats for a lot of attractions for which this is an issue out in front, but in advance, if it's something you're concerned or even thinking about at this point in time, looking up videos can help gauge what your experience might be like. I also recommend joining a Facebook group where people regularly discuss and compare different ride vehicle sizing. There is a fantastic group called Disney Parks for Plus-Sized Guests, which has over 84,000 members and a lot of threads about Universal. But another group that someone in there recommended was Universal Parks Curved. It skews a bit Florida, but should still work for Hollywood, and I'm sure those members would be happy to answer any of your questions. Again, those two are Facebook groups. Again, there is, 
No ideal solution. I wish things were more size inclusive. I wish that this wasn't a problem that we even had to flag. But those are the best resources I have to tee you up for success at the park. Now, so far at Universal Studios, we've talked about what you're going to do, who you're going to see, how you're going to get in, what spectacles you're going to experience. So last but not least, we're going to discuss what you'll eat. The good news is there are no sit-down restaurants inside the park, so you don't have to worry about making a reservation. The bad news is there are no sit-down restaurants inside the park, so you're going to be eating quick service food whether or not you want to. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. For me personally, the ideal day here would be a park lunch followed by a sit-down dinner in City Walk, which we'll get into in a minute. But when it comes to dining at Universal Studios, I'm always going to end up recommending three broomsticks within Wizarding World of Harry Potter. There are limited vegetarian options, keep that in mind, but there's tons of outdoor seating, which is really worthwhile when the park is busier since it's all mostly shaded. Even if fish and chips are my go-to order here, I want to add, again, I love this place, I eat here often, but the menu is heavy in summertime. Sausages, spare ribs, stew. So I direct you in that case to my other go-to, Jurassic Cafe, for a tropical roasted chicken salad, which I always like, or citrus glazed chicken or mojo pork, or a burger with cabbage, tomato, white queso, and served with seasoned fries, which you can swap for Beyond Burger. So you can have either one. You can have beef or you can have Beyond. My favorite veggie burger is no longer at Mel's Diner, RIP, but I'll still go there from time to time. They still have a special barbecue one. Otherwise, depending on the menu, since it can change seasonally, particularly over Lunar New Year time, Hollywood and Dine is always worth checking out. And sidebar, I learned in my research that there is a vegan banh mi at French Street Bistro I was not aware of, so I am definitely getting that next time. And then there's Mummy Eats, the stand right by the Lower Lock Coaster, which is a distinguished corndog stand because they have a classic, they have a Korean style, which has the crunchy panko exterior and cheese on the inside. Oh my God, I cannot wait to eat hot dogs again. A spicy corndog and a vegetarian one, which is not easy to find, I say as a woman who has been off corndogs for nine months. There are plenty of other places to eat, including Minions Cafe for a grilled cheese, or Cochina Mexicana, or even the multiple eateries over at Simpsons Land, which, I'll be honest, uh, I skip just because it's hectic and very indoors, but you by all means should go. It is deeply themed in there. But again, there's nowhere really worth writing home about in this park where quick service dining is concerned, so don't overwhelm yourself with food planning. The snack game is pretty similar. Disney surely has this place beat with Mickey-shaped pretzels and Dole Whips and other iconic treats, whereas here it's just kind of standard fare. There's popcorn and pretzels and churros and things, but none is as whimsical or character-based as you might expect elsewhere. The main exception, though, is Lardland Donuts, where you can buy a big old donut that'll feed your entire party. It's fun, and it's pretty good to boot. Now, we're not going to talk about City Walk too much beyond the food. I mean, do I really need to tell you about the Abercrombie & Fitch or the comic book store? No, I do not. But there are a few places I definitely recommend for dining. The main one is going to be Antojitos. Not gonna lie, I love it here at like a regular LA restaurant level. They have one in Orlando, but the chips are great. The food is great. The drinks, from what I remember, are great. 
I had my last birthday meal here. That's how solid it is. And then there's Toothsome Chocolate Emporium, which just opened and I'm going to for the first time next week. I've been in Orlando and I love it there. So I'm just going to endorse it early because it's basically like Cheesecake Factory, but for chocolate. But the regular food I've had, the non-chocolate food I've had in Orlando has been very legit and I expect the same from here. Otherwise, if you're looking for a dinner reservation or somewhere to eat, I would look into Vivo Italian Kitchen. The pricing is great there, by the way. NBC Sports Grill and Brew, which people are obsessed with. And for some treats on the way home or an early breakfast on the way in that won't break the bank, Voodoo Donut is always a great choice. Before we get into ticketing, I just want to clue you in to Universal Studios Hollywood's main two seasonal events. You got Grinchmas around the holidays, which is entirely included with admission, and Halloween Horror Nights, which is a separately ticketed late night fright fest. Halloween Horror Nights is different here than it is in Florida. The houses are smaller and less elaborate, but there's still plenty to do and be frightened from. It's also like an iconic Los Angeles event. I cannot stress that enough. And it is normal for people who really don't do a lot of spooky stuff to come here with a group of friends and go all in for HHN. If you've ever been curious about trying the event, seeing what Halloween is like, I'd start here, honestly. It's a bit more manageable, a little less intense in my opinion, but still significantly scary. Now, in terms of admission, there are no extra reservations or park hopping or anything like that. You just buy a ticket for the day you want and go to the park. (laughs) Blissful. I recommend buying admission in advance because tickets are more expensive at the gate, and that way you can more easily price out and explore if you'd like to purchase Universal Express, which can be bought with your ticket with varied pricing per day and per season. Universal Express, their skip-the-line product, allows one-time express entry into rides and attractions and is your best way to jam the entire park into one day if you're committed to doing it all. For Super Nintendo World, it also grants one-time reservation-free entry into the land when reservations are required and basically guarantees you can enter, which is great. But it does not give you expedited access to the Mario Kart ride, and that line is probably going to get long. So if you're coming here for Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Super Nintendo World and you want to blast them both out in one day, that is probably something I would recommend to you. And last but not least, there is something called the VIP experience. We're not going to discuss that too much on this episode. I feel like that could be an entirely standalone episode on its own. But the reason I'm not bringing it up is because it is a very, very specialized day that is much pricier. Pricing starts at $369 per person. And I think particularly for people who are listening to this, that is maybe something you want to do on a second visit. If you have a special event, I think it applies to less people here. I do think that the price increase for Universal Express is going to be a better fit for your trip than doing this VIP experience. Um, I've done it before. It is great for if you want to delve more into what it's like to be on the movie studio lot. We did some very cool stuff. We actually stood on the set for The Good Place, which was very exciting. But we're here to talk about the theme park. So I think for this episode in particular, and for anyone curious about their next vacation to Universal Studios Hollywood, I would spend on the Universal Express instead of upgrading for the full VIP experience, which does take you out of the park a bit more to do cool stuff, but takes you a little bit out of the park. And the last thing I will mention, if you plan on coming back more than once, or if you are a California resident, if you are a local, if you live in the area, definitely look into buying an annual pass. Look at the blockout dates, make sure before you buy, but their annual passes are very reasonably priced. You you get a lot out of it. You can come back and it's 
it's pretty cheap. It's 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 priced. Uh, it's I'm not gonna call it a fire sale because I'm sure they'll raise everything the minute I say that. But it is priced in a very very good way if you plan on coming back. So just don't don't snooze on that. I think that's everything I got to recommend for Universal Studios Hollywood, my little lovely park in my backyard. If you have any questions please call the Churros hotline, drop me an email, and I will try to answer them when I am back, uh, when we pick the podcast back up. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful time and enjoy Super Nintendo World and everything else Universal Studios Hollywood has to offer. Carly, my name is Brenda, and I would love to ask your advice for a solo Disney World traveler. I've been going through a lot this past year, and I finally decided to take a trip to Disney, one of my happy places, on my own for the very first time. So this is super exciting, but I'm also super nervous about traveling on my own, and I'm going for spring break time, which is April, the beginning of April. And I recognize that getting a table service reservation may be difficult for one person. It also feels kind of weird to me, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about making a reservation at a table service dinner for a solo traveler. Thanks so much. Brenda! I am so excited for you. You are going to have a wonderful time, and hopefully I can give you just a small bit of advice or helpful tips so that you can have the best time of your life. Now, I strongly believe you should book every meal you want to. I mean, within your budget for this trip, of course, but especially table service since you called about that specifically. I personally think it would be fun to book somewhere that ties in with fireworks viewing because it's more of an event. So maybe like an Epcot restaurant with waterfront views, which will make it more special. And I don't know if this is what you're asking for. I don't know if this is something that you're just not interested in, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to recommend, I'm going to push you to book a character meal as well. It's nice to do it alone. I've done it before and I quite enjoy it because I get to eat my yummies and then I don't have to share any photo time with anyone else at the table. So you get more character interaction because at the end of the day, the point of this trip is for you to have a good time. And if that means being able to hug Winnie the Pooh for longer or watching the fireworks between dinner and dessert, that is all that matters. Now, I actually got another call on the Churros Hotline about something similar to what you called about. They were wondering about booking a one-person table because it is a little tricky in the Disney system. Sometimes, like, it, a table for one just doesn't exist, even if a table for two is there and is available. So I'm just going to tell you, just uh, friend to friend... Book a table for two and just let them know when you arrive, it's just for one. I don't usually recommend doing stuff like that, uh, but really, if there's there's really no such thing as a table for one, it's not like they would put you at a table that couldn't also seat two or like just a stool in the middle of the restaurant. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I feel like it's okay to do it in this scenario. Book a table for two. Just tell them you're going to be one because uh, it's every table for one is also kind of a table for two. It's going to be fine. So if you can't find anything table for one, book it for two and it'll all work itself out. I do want to add, I travel alone for work. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I got to readjust in my seat for this. I travel alone for work and I love it. I, I really hope that on this trip, you get to enjoy how absolutely selfish you get to be because you can do what you want 
when you want it, whenever you want to do it. If you want to go to Disney World and walk around a Disney hotel you've never visited before, do it. If you want to sit at a random pool bar and read a book, do it. If you want to spend way too much time wandering around Disney Springs and going into every store you've never been in before just because you're curious, do it. I, I don't know how often you usually go to Disney World or who you typically might visit with, but this is just a really great time to check out things you'd probably put off or skip on other trips. So my homework for you is to make a list of things you've always been curious about or always wanted to do at Disney World, but never really had the time to do them and use that as your guide for what you want to do while you're visiting. And also, get on a boat. At some point, <laughs> just get on the water. I don't know why. It's really nice to just feel the wind. You can take one between Magic Kingdom and Grand Floridian and go get my favorite macaroni and cheese at Gasparilla Island Grill. You can take a friendship boat from Epcot and try to snag an outdoor seat if that's the one you're going to do. I don't know. It's really nice to like, be on a boat alone. It's something I always uh, try to do when I'm at the resort by myself and I really like doing it and I walk away very happy. The last bit of advice slash personal opinion I want to give you is that I, when, when I'm alone traveling or alone at the parks, I'm on my phone probably like 85, 90% of the time, which I feel like you're not supposed to do. I feel like people will be like, put your phone away, just take in your surroundings. But I'm here to tell you to do whatever you want to do. That is the point of this trip. If you want to be on your phone and you want to just clear out emails while you're uh, having a salad, do it. Do whatever you want. That is the motto for this trip. I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you eat delicious food and have so much fun. Hi, Carly. This is Casey from Kentucky. Congratulations on your pregnancy. Ever since you announced that you were pregnant, I have been wondering about the moment where John Stamos was trying to tell you how much better you would like Disney World once you had children. And I can't help but wonder if you told him you were pregnant. And if so, does that make him one of the first people that knew that you were having a baby? And if so, that would be a really epic story for your baby. Again, congratulations. It is very fitting for me to be answering this question right before I go on maternity leave. But essentially, during the interview, John Stamos did not know I was pregnant. But at the end of the interview, once we had finished, once we were gabbing off mic, I did, I did tell him. <laughs> And I swear, he must have brought it up during the interview. He must have known. He must have gotten like some sixth sense that I was. Maybe I maybe I gave him a weird little look when he when he mentioned having kids. It was right around the time when we found out, I think, maybe within a few weeks, a few week window. I remember it was early. Um, yeah, it must have been a few weeks in. But I I don't even think I told my mom yet. I think he was one of one of, if not the first person I told. So I guess I guess Stamos just knew he just had a feeling in his bones that I was going to have a kid. And uh, yeah, I definitely think I told him before my mom. <laughs> but like, how could you not tell Uncle Jesse? He's a famous, loving member of a famous American family. Like, you got to tell him. But yeah, he, he didn't know during the interview. But maybe, yeah, he just he sniffed it out. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you for calling. <laughs> That's our show! 
thank you all so much for listening to this one, to all of them, forever, in perpetuity, now, in the past, in the future. Just really grateful. Just really grateful for all of it. As I've mentioned 2,000 times by now, yes, this is our last episode before I go on maternity leave. I may, I may, I mean, I leave the door open to pop back before then if there's an emergency or if I magically wind up on a coaster and just need to tell you about it, need to whisper the details into a microphone. But otherwise, we are scheduled to return over the summer and I will miss you dearly until then. I will miss you so much. Oh my God, how am I going to not do this for months? Ah, I guess I'll be, I guess I'll be busy doing other things. (laughs) If you want to, I don't know, leave us like a little digital postcard while we're away, feel free to review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, you can also rate and follow us or head to Spotify to rate and follow there as well. We appreciate it. I really like seeing the nice ones. Um, I don't always, I'll be honest, I don't always call out the nice ones because sometimes they are very, occasionally we'll get a mean one and I don't like looking at that stuff. So uh, I try to keep the most positive headspace I can at all times. And so I don't uh, check the reviews as much as I used to, but I do see the ratings whenever I pull links and I check to make sure things are uploaded. I always see the the stars and the ratings and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all of you. Oh my gosh. I feel like, I feel like I'm retiring from a job. I don't like this. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Anyway, you can give us, oh my God, you can give us a call at 747churros, send a voice note to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. Obviously I will not be able to answer these uh, soon. I will answer them once I'm on the other side of uh, childbirth, but keep them coming because I will always use them in a future episode. And I have so many that I saved for the last month that I wasn't able to use. So those will always pop up again. Do not fret. You can shop all of our merchandise at very-amusing.com. That is the one the one thing we have that is not run by me. I work with some wonderful people who keep that website up to date. So thankfully, if you want anything, you can order it and it'll arrive. You won't get a note from me being like, sorry, I haven't slept in three weeks. You're not getting your clothes. Order merchandise. It'll keep on coming. It's, uh, it's automatic. It'll happen because of other responsible people, not because of me. So merchandise stores still open all spring and summer long. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can join the Fomaly at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. Also, I gotta say, the Fomaly is a great place. If you have any theme park questions, Disney vacation questions, little, little questions that you're wondering, oh God, I need an answer to this, but I can't call the Churros hotline. Plop it in the Fomaly. Uh, the Fomaly is the best resource. They are so helpful and everyone there is really wonderful and I love them very much. This episode was edited definitively by Jeff Fox. We'll be back. I just had to use it. Thank you so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart, it's mom. I'm so happy you had such a good time at Disneyland. You really needed that. But out of everything in the episode, the one thing that stuck out of my mind was small human coming because I just can't stop thinking about it. But I did see your videos and I did see your pictures of the fireworks at Disneyland, the nightlife. It was so exciting. It looked so good. I liked the music that they paired with it. It was really good. As far as Runaway Railway, um, it will be fun and exciting, but I'm in no hurry. I'll see it when I go maybe like April, May or something, and I'll check it out. But the Lunar New Year Festival excitement with Mickey Mouse hot dog and bun sounds very, very cute. I'm glad you liked the cheese. That seems like a good time. I really like that.
And speaking of mer- Disney merchandise, which is like my favorite thing, like I'll go to a gift shop over a ride any day because I love them. But you are doing the best giveaway, the Mickey Mouse, the um, ears. What was the other one? Oh, water bottle. And it was like the silver costumes for the 100-year anniversary. I just love that. And I know I'm not entering, and I'm okay with it because I'm getting something much, much better, which is a baby, a little you. I'm very excited. Boy or girl, I'm very excited. I just cannot wait. And on that note, I will say I love you, and I will see you very, very soon. I can't wait. I'm coming back to L.A. Um, about two more times this month, so I'm very, very excited. Lots going on. And I just want to say that I'll see you next week. And I think there's one more, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm very excited for all of this. Maybe we can get a little five minutes. I'm going from an hour to a half hour to five minutes. Maybe you and I can go on and say something. I'd love that. Anyway, I love you. I'm excited. I can't wait to come and see you. And I'll see you very soon. All right, sweetheart, I love you. I love you too, John Stamos. Bye.